The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's up, everybody? Eric France and AJ Salveson. Hope you're having a great Thursday. My goodness, we have a lot to unpack today. You know, it's... I hope you're buckled in. Uh, yeah. Holding on to something tight. Strap tight. This going is, on a ride. This is going to be a good one. Uh, it's going to be a really, really good one. Uh, a lot to get through. You know, I, I still remember it feels like three years ago when this was going on, but we had nothing to talk about. And you and I would just stare at each other and glaze into each other's eyes with blank stares and realize, nope, we have nothing going on tomorrow. We're, <laughs> we'll wing it. Not today. Not today, Eric. Not today. No. Big news. Uh, we already had the Ivy League des- the decision uh, that was made official yesterday. And now we have an announcement from the Big Ten. How many other Power Five conferences and, well, frankly, Group of Five conferences will follow suit? Will they follow the Ivy League model or will they follow the Big Ten model or will they ignore both of them? We'll discuss both models. And uh, also a big announcement today from Utah High School Activities Association about what they see in the fall when school resumes. And uh, we'll actually have a great opportunity to talk to one of the people that was involved with those discussions, John Oglesby. He's the, uh, what is it, the associate director? Assistant director of the uh, Utah High School Activities Association. He'll be joining us a little bit later on here this hour and uh, shed some light on that for us. Um, Utah Jazz have arrived in Orlando. Uh, Did you see the tweet <laughs> so from Jordan Clarkson, by the way? a lot of stuff going on. Uh, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think David Locke might have put out, hey, Jazz have arrived in Orlando. And then uh, Jordan Clarkson uh, quoted that retweet with a little uh, GIF video of a little kid trying to break out of his crib but just screaming and crying. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, they're they're thrilled to be in Orlando. Uh, they have practice today. Uh, it was actually an hour ago they had practice, um, and then there was a media excuse me media availability immediately after. So if we don't get to it today, which is very possible, we'll get that audio and have it ready for you tomorrow, so you can hear what's going on from Coach Snyder, Donald Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and others. So big announcement today with from the Big Ten. Uh, well, the, the Ivy League announced that they wouldn't do any any fall sports. Didn't matter what the sport was, they would not have any participation until January one. At least they're going to review it and see where they're at at that point. Um, and now the Big Ten. This has been rumored for a little bit, and we even heard the Pac-12 looking at a similar model as well. But the Big Ten making it official today, saying that um, you know. Based on medical advice, they will move to a conference-only schedule, and that is for all the fall sports. That's men's and women's cross-country, field hockey, football, men's and women's soccer, and women's volleyball. So that doesn't really affect Utah State specifically right now because they don't have a Big Ten opponent on their schedule. Does affect the team down south, though. But <laughs> yes, it does affect other schools you. in the area. So uh, there's so BYU much. has two games on their schedule, and, against and that's Big the Ten thing. Opponents. Is there is so much to unpack here, and we've only got what 50 minutes to get through this, plus an interview for high school athletics. Uh, 
Eric, here's the problem for BYU. Is that the Big Ten is now saying we're going to go conference only. Pac-12 has been rumored, and it's the rumors are starting to pick up major, major speed, that they are going to be go conference games only. That's four opponents. The first four for BYU are not going to be playing BYU Cougars this year. So they've got to stretch their way into doing something else. So until so they say, well, maybe we'll go play Notre Dame. Well, guess what rumor is picking up right now? Notre Dame joining the ACC for this year to play in the ACC conference for football. And which is then that wipes out Notre Dame. So then here's and here's where I got irritated. BYU fans saying, you know what, we should go to the Mount West and play the Mount West Conference. No, you slime balls. Don't you remember two, three, four, five years ago when we offered the chance for you guys to come to Mount West, but you said, No, we can do better. We're the BYU Cougars. We rise, shout, and pride, or whatever the crap that is. We scream. We are Big 12 worthy. So Big 12 went over there and like played you like a fiddle. You don't make it into the Big 12. You're still independent, but you think that's great, even though you're playing the likes of Liberty, UMass, and New Mexico State to get yourself to six wins because you can't win the first four games. And now they want to come join the Mount West Conference. If I'm Boise State, who is the BYU of the Mount West Conference in regards to being a diva, I say, uh-uh, you ain't even sniffing us. There's no way. Access denied. Card doesn't work here. You don't let BYU come into your conference. And it, honestly, I don't know if Boise State, who pretty much runs the show here, would agree or would actually let BYU in because BYU is really loaded this year. And if BYU comes in just for one substitute year of football and runs the table in the Mount West Conference, it's going to tick a team up north off a little bit. Being the Broncos, watching the Cougars run the table. So uh, the <laughs> there's a lot there. <laughs> um, Sorry, I threw that all on you. No, I, I just I think that there's definitely a strong sentiment that BYU has had their opportunities to be a part of the Mountain West, and certainly the Mountain West has kind of a scheduling agreement with BYU to help them with some of their some level of their uh, schedule. And I actually would take a different approach that uh, BYU makes a lot of sense to be included in the Mountain West. Yes, they're a diva, but the Mountain West is used to dealing with them in the past, and they have a new diva that they've been dealing with for the last several years in Boise State. But here's the it's thing. It's not like they can't handle Why do we let a substitute? Why do we let them into the conference? What does that tell? That What does that tell the rest of the Mountain West Conference? That well, BYU can do and come and go as they please whenever they want? No, but I think what it does is it illustrates that, look, there's a recognition of a regional rival, that it's a historic rival among most of the Mountain West member institutions, um, that fans can travel to easily enough. They remember what it used to be like with them on their schedule regularly, and they still play a lot of these teams on a regular basis. So it's almost as if they're kind of pseudo-members anyway. But here's the here's another problem with it. They sat there and they bullied us for years, and they they scoffed at the Mountain West Conference. They they stuck their nose up at us. But yet we're going to be forgiving and say, you know what? We love the rivalry that you bring into it, so we should allow you guys to come in. And what, you know what? They're going to come in and they're just going to make fun of us. That's all they're going to do. That's all you're going to see for nine, eight, nine weeks of football. And then when they make the Mountain West Conference Championship which they will, you're, you're never going to hear the end about it. 
you will never, ever, ever hear the end of BYU coming in for one year, running our conference, running the table, winning the Mount West Conference Championship, going to the number one seed bowl game, winning that, and then walking out of the front door with a huge paycheck. You will never hear the end of it. I don't know if I want that, man. They're already annoying enough. So you just don't like the idea of having to deal with two super annoying fan bases and no, two super well, no, annoying it, clubs, organizations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That you already got agree. Boise State. Because Boise, do you want to bring BYU and all of its mess back with it? Correct. I just and I don't like the attitude that BYU has towards the Mountain West Conference. Why would you? Why would you let them come into our conference and just? You know, after bashing it for how many years, allow them to come in so we can bail them out of a situation that they got themselves in because they said no to us. Uh, 9315 texted in, Eric, and wants to ask a question. How would in-conference-only games help Utah State? My thoughts, this football season year kind of reminds me of Gary. First, at least his first time through with Utah State. All that chaos. I think we're kind of running under the radar for player talent. I think there will be lots of people that are surprised with us. That is a brutal schedule. An absolutely brutal schedule, Eric. We're going to Boise State, Wyoming, who's going to be really good. Colorado State, who's going to be decent. That Air Force team, I know they say it's a once-in-a-decade team of Air Force. They don't lose all too much. They lose some, but they keep a lot more. And defensively, they're still going to be a menace. Offensively, they've still got over half their offensive line. They've still got that mean running game that just absolutely irritates you. That's a brutal schedule. I, I, and I, I, I agree. I think maybe Utah State will be better than what, you know, Athlon Sports or whoever will predict them as. I don't know if they're going to be a conference contending team in the Mountain West Conference for a championship. And again, I could be easily wrong and I could be surprised and be pleasantly surprised. But it's going to be a tough, it's, it's a really tough road this year, even in conference games. No, I, I agree with that. I think that this, perhaps this would be a, a decent year for USU to have this happen to them, just because this is a good year for them to rebuild and kind of find where they're at in a lot of different things. I, I don't think that they're going to be a contender. I don't think they're going to be in the top third. So I think this is a good year for them to fine-tune some things, and it's not quite as much pressure. But not having those games, it's a the non-conference games, that's a huge oh, financial yeah, man. hit. It's a kick in the gut. $1.5 million Not just football, but everything Washington. in the whole conference. James trying to give you a donut. Take, take a donut from James. He's sick of holding the box. Let's <laughs> see how long he can stand there. <laughs> he, he'll stand there until you take a donut. <laughs> uh, big thanks to James, uh, who does a great job with our sales team. One of the best in the biz, uh, if not the best in the biz. Yes, you can have a donut. <laughs> That's only because he brings you Johnny O's Spud Nuts. Uh, I actually am going to pass today, but thank you. you oh, man, I should, but I won't. But I'm going to be good. I want to look like you in five years. Then you better have three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big thanks to James. He's a great guy. Uh, Eric, so really, how does... A conference-only schedule. As be, I mean, is it the financial part that really does stand out to you the most? That's the biggest thing. Okay. That's the, the $1.5 thing. million because from Washington. I, there have been years past where it's like, hey, these non-conference games, these are going to be great chances for Utah State to maybe break through and get that Power 5 win. Or at least they're going to push them to the brink. Because there's a lot of things with this team that maybe a lot of people don't know. 
and this will be a great opportunity for Utah State to get noticed on the national stage. I wish I had that attitude this yeah. year. <laughs> and I, I don't. I don't. So I, I think that the games this year are more about a financial situation than they are about a com- competition yeah, fair situation. Enough. That, that, that makes sense. Um, huh. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. So, and, and we, the reason why we bring up Washington and the reason why we bring up uh, uh, Washington State is because Pac-12 looks like it's going to be falling in, in line with what the Big Ten and other conferences are doing, that they'll go to a conference-only schedule. In fact, it looks like they will announce tomorrow um, at the earliest that they will go to a conference-only schedule um, something that's been planned for a while, it sounds like. So with that, um, Utah State loses, or not Utah State, yeah. Well, Utah State does lose two opponents. BYU loses two more opponents as well. Um, and so, I mean, and again, it's just, it's a, it's a trickle-down effect. And but I got to tell you, though, Notre Dame is going to get a lot of attention because here's the thing, and I was, I was talking to another individual just uh, not too long ago today uh, about this, that Notre Dame, BYU's burned bridges left and right. Notre Dame has not. (laughs) Notre Dame has held out through their contracts and throughout their schedule. They haven't burned those bridges. Notre Dame is a much more attractive place and a team to play than BYU. Well, of course. There's a lot of reasons for that. Besides them being a more elite program. And their schedule is a lot more sexier. And and for and, and going to Lavelle Edwards, and I said it yesterday, going to Lavelle Edwards and going to South Bend, Indiana, to Irish Stadium, those are two totally different places. And I'd rather absolutely yeah, It'd be crazy I, for anybody to say they're anywhere close to the same. Yeah. And so if you get the offer, hey, would you want to come to Notre Dame or do you want to go play at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Notre Dame in a heartbeat. Beating Notre Dame means much more on your schedule than it does beating BYU. Sure it does. Uh, by the way, if you want to participate in our show, you can by texting in at 435-339-0321, 435-339-0321. We got to take a break because coming up in just a minute, Eric, uh, we have John Oglesby, uh, the Assistant Executive Director of Utah High School Athletics. Utah High School Athletics has announced that they will have fall sports this fall, football included. What does it mean and how are they going to handle the fan situation? We're going to get into that and more. Uh, here with uh, with John Oglesby, Eric. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, so stay tuned right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, by the way, we had a fun conversation with Ethan Dursteller yesterday, talking oh, about a so lot good. of different things in the NFL. I, I think we're going to have him back. Yeah, we'd be definitely we'd be, going to have him back. There's there's some dumb decisions that you can make in radio, and that'd be a dumb one not to have him back. <laughs> yes, he works with the NFL, and he's in our own backyard. So, yes, we are going to find a way to involve him more. Um Big news today, not only from the college ranks with fall sports, but on the local level with high school sports. Utah High School Activities Association, their board of trustees got together and voted to 
that uh, voted on what's going to happen this fall for extracurricular activities. John Oglesby, he's the assistant director of the UHSAA, and he joins us now in the Full Court Press. And Hi, John. John, thanks for your time. I know this has been a really difficult thing to kind of weigh how to go forward on this. I know you guys have been debating this and doing the research on this for months. Yeah, hey, guys. It's uh, great to be on the program. And, uh, like, I, I think you hit it perfectly. COVID-19 and how it um, relates to our business, which is education and athletics, is like the homework assignment that you never quite finish. There's all more you can do with it. So, yeah, today was just another step in that. So I, I know that the... In the spring, around May, when things kind of were, were at the end of the regular school year, and at the very end, things started to relax a little bit more around the state, and UHSAA said, we're going to wait until we reach a certain level before we even really talk publicly about what's going to happen in the fall. What what has that process been like leading to today? Well, ever since um, school was canceled for in-person learning, um, for the remainder of the school year back in the spring, um, that really set in motion once we knew in-person learning wasn't going to happen. Our board felt strongly with no in-person learning, there's no sports. And once the school year ended, what would have been the normal school year ended, at that point our board of trustees said, okay, we need to start going back to the normal summer protocol, which is Schools after Memorial Day are able to start having kids on campus, able to start having practices and team activities where their local health officials as well as school district officials felt that was safe and within state guidelines. So when that process happened throughout June, our board obviously monitoring different situations across the state, gathering feedback, looking at best practices, not only from um, our collegiate partners in the state, college conferences, as well as even some of our uh, fellow state associations around the country, um, was able to kind of put all that information together. And then a special meeting of the Board of Trustees as well as the Executive Committee was called this week to basically say, okay, over the next two to three weeks, with practices officially getting ready to start, where are we at? And the Board of Trustees meeting today looking at where we're at in terms of school districts returning to in-person or blended learning and also looking at all the other factors that go into us being able to stay to do with education-based activities. The decision was made today to continue forward at this time with our time to fall towards. Hey, John. Uh with that, you guys, you guys put out the statement that there's going to be a lot of safety and protocols to be followed. Will you have players be wearing masks underneath their helmets uh, if when they're playing football games, or how is that going to go? So I think, uh, obviously, the governor came out with his recommendations today. I think some of the details of that obviously have to be worked out. Um, within our rules, it is not against the rules for players, officials, coaches, to wear masks in any sport. And so at any point, whether it's required or not this season, if a player, a coach, an official chooses to wear a mask, that's completely within their right to do so within the rules. As far as what that will look like, 
Um, our sports medicine advisory committee has put together a number of recommendations which are available on our website. And I think the specifics of what things are going to look like still are going to need to be told over the next few weeks um, in terms of what's going to happen um, around our state as well as some statewide guidelines and such. So I think that question still remains to be answered. I know that a lot of the focus for us, at least on this show, and what we talk about is is football related. But I know these these decisions and these discussions are not just about football. There's a lot of other fall sports that take place, and not just sports, but also other extracurricular things that you guys kind of oversee. Um, what is it for those other other athletics or other extracurricular things that you guys uh, kind of work through with the way that it's going to look this fall? Well, I think, again, um, and I think that's a great question, Eric, and it really does kind of set the broad foundation that our association supports. Um, it's not just football, men's and women's basketball and baseball. It's uh, softball, it's wrestling, it's men's and women's soccer, it's cross country. Um, I think a lot of our, we're fortunate in that other than football, soccer to a certain extent, a lot of our outdoor fall sports naturally allow for social distancing, um, golf, tennis, cross country. Each sport's got its nuances and each sport's got its specific things that you need to worry about. But I think is we've started to look at the trends of where we're going according to um, the recommendations coming out of the Utah COVID-19 task force, coming out from the State Board of Education, as we started to take a look at that, as well as how our partners around the country are using that in a sporting application, we've really looked at a few things, and that's how can you ensure that you're encouraging a good atmosphere in terms of trying to... So I think as you go sport by sport, that looks a little bit different but trying to promote the most safe atmosphere possible is the number one goal, regardless of the sport or activity. Again, we're talking to John Oglesby. He's the Assistant Director for Utah High School Activities Association. In your release earlier today, uh, you make it make it clear that um, basically you're, you're kind of doing things with, on a local level uh, or allowing some discussions to happen on a local level to determine you know, uh, what happens with fans you know if are are things uh how many fans are, are allowed to do, do you uh say that it's all clear do you say that uh, nobody can go how does that work out with allowing fans to go and watch some of these sporting events well i think that's a great question and i think that's something that in order for this effectively have to allow for local control um because the dip, there's a big difference in how events can take place in Beaver or Kane or Sevier County compared to how they can take place in Wasatch County compared to how they can take place in Salt Lake County or even Cache County, right? There's differences in the health department, differences in the case numbers, and so you have to allow schools and districts to be able to make decisions on fans on social distancing measures, on whether or not their school can even participate 
you have to allow that to be at the local level with advisement and guidelines coming from the state as well as from our office in order to make it as possible and as easy as it could be for people to participate. Um, the one-size-fits-all approach in our state is, is extremely hard because our state is so different in terms of its geography as well as its population density. Um, and so I think, I think the question is a very good one in the sense that you're going to go different places around the state and things are not going to be equal. And that's okay uh, because the school in that area has to operate according to the guidelines that their local governing body their local health department is telling them is in their best practice. And I think that's a good thing. One thing that's really impressed me about uh, the Utah High School Athletic Association is their communication with uh, the government and, and the uh, the health coordinators and such, even in the spring when maybe not everybody agree with their decision of parents and players about you guys canceling spring athletics, but you guys always communicating with doctors and health people related to the situation. Can you talk about your relationship with them and how much that's meant for you guys? Well, I think, I think any organization, any sporting organization, um, you have to have a great relationship with a few groups. Um, medical people, regardless whether it's pro, college, high school, youth, community sports, you have to have medical people being part of the decision-making process. And we're very fortunate that we have several licensed physicians, some nationally acclaimed athletic trainers who serve as part of our sports medicine advisory committee. And they do a variety of different things um, in advising our governing boards on decisions and the decision-making process. And so we've been very fortunate to have relationships with those folks. Um, and it, it's very beneficial to us to have that that flow of information for our boards to make informed decisions. Uh, we're very, very grateful and and really appreciative of the relationships that we have with our political leaders in our state government across the state, whether that be um, legislators, whether that be the governor's office, the lieutenant governor's office, um, state superintendent Sid Dixon and her office with the state office of education. The flow of information between all those groups behind the scenes is always taking place, and it, I think that's a huge benefit um, for the people of this great state of Utah to have leaders constantly sharing information to make sure that when decisions are made, um, it's done with the best information available. And that's really all you can ask is, are you making a decision with the best information that you can gather? And I believe that our association has done that consistently throughout this process. John, with the with UHSAA, are, are you putting together uh, or, or issuing any kind of guidelines that these teams or other or extracurricular activities that they need to follow that if somebody in that group tests positive, how to handle that? And what I mean so by that is that the specific person get isolated? Does it have to shut the whole team down? And does that shut down the whole league or the region? How does how does that work? So I think uh, another great question there. Our, we've already put out a number of guidelines that are available on our website uh, of just recommendations um, and best practices 
coming from our sports medicine advisory committee. I think a lot of in terms of how things are handled um, is with a student athlete testing positive is going to take place at the local level. That's why I think more than ever, our local school administrators, our athletic directors, our coaches are going to be so critical in managing their student bodies, their fan bases, in a sense of really encouraging people to be accountable for their own health and monitoring that if there's an outbreak, if there's a situation that happens, monitoring it in a way to where they're able to quickly understand how extensive that outbreak is. We at a statewide level don't have control of that, but I think at the local level is where most of the advisement is going to come down from that. And, and it's really going to be made possible through, again, student-athletes being honest with coaches and coaches being supportive of athletes of the adage forever and ever of play through anything, that's going to have to change in a lot of senses. Student-athletes, if they don't feel well or if something is going on physically, they're going to need to communicate that. Coaches are going to need to be supportive of that. And I have a lot of confidence in our people that through all those combined efforts, we'll be able to get it right to minimize some of the outbreaks that you're talking about. John, what if a situation arises where there's a spike in a community and um, it looks like, you know, activities like this, especially if a team of 50, 60 kids can't be together, uh, would that, how does a region handle that? How does that affect potential RPI? If, if that team has, if you're a, a team that was going to be on your schedule, but now they have to forfeit because there's an outbreak in their area. How does that, I mean, we may be looking at so many different potential scenarios out there, but uh, it, it, some of them could be more real than others. Yeah, and I, I think that's one big point that our board of trustees made in the meeting today, Eric, was to talk about how we're going to have a very unique operating atmosphere compared to our normal modicum of how we run high school sports in the state. Um, We may have a point in the season where um, a team can't start until the third week of the season, whether it's an outbreak, whether it's their uh, local health department is concerned about them participating. And the, the wonderful thing about the RPI is really you're graded off of what you complete and what you participate in, not necessarily off of a set number of games that you have to play. And so I think the RPI has afforded us more flexibility than we've ever had in the state of Utah to be able to allow for these uneven and sometimes unique situations where even in Cash Valley, you could very easily have one football team that plays eight games, one that plays six, one that plays four, one that plays five. It could happen. And the RPI will allow them to be able to be seated in based upon what they've done in their RPI in that scenario. Um, I think to your point about if a team has to cancel a game, how will that look? Is it a forfeit? The Board of Trustees was very clear today that games that aren't able to be played due to COVID-19-related concerns. They're not a forfeit. It's just a no contest. And then our staff 
due to resources we have, we will then, if there's a team that's unable to participate in the game, help teams find games potentially that they are able to play. Again, I think the one important thing for fans, coaches, um, administrators, anyone to remember this year is things are going to be somewhat tenuous. And, and there's going to be things that are well outside of our normal operation of business. But the one important thing to remember is that as long as there's that trust that things are being done to protect students, then I think we'll be able to get over a lot of those bumps and bruises along the way. And I think we'll be able to get to an atmosphere where that adaptability and that skill that we've really flexed throughout the year is going to benefit us in the long run. And so long story short on that question, Eric, it's just going to take a lot of patience for people. And there's going to be things that aren't going to be equal compared to how they've always been. But we're confident that our state is better situated than it's ever been to be able to have a quality competitive experience for as many teams that are able to participate as they can. What is the schedule for high school athletic teams to be able to start practice? And then what is the schedule for the opening days? Is it still set for August 14th? So as of right now, the Board of Trustees moved to start everything on time. And so our first start day uh, for tryouts is August 20th, which is boys golf um, in the 2A through 6A. And then in the following week, the week after that, you have football camps, which open up. And then the football start date, which you said in mid-August. And so as of right now, um, the Board of Trustees has said we need to push forward on time as school districts and communities are planning on it. So that is the direction we're going in. How, uh, like, it's so fluid, I think, everything. And that's the word it's always been used for the past four months is fluid. How fluid is the situation, even that you are continuing uh, high school athletics? You guys are probably still on your heels about everything that could or will happen as the the, uh, fall moves on. Well, as I said before, we're on a daily basis gathering information from stakeholders all around the state, all around our region and nationally. And that gives us a good pulse of where we're at. Um, and that gets our board of trustees and our executive committee a lot of information to be able to make decisions upon. We are anticipating that our boards will be meeting frequently um, throughout the year just due to the nature of the pandemic and its evolution. Um, so I think the fluidity with which you talk about is definitely going to be there and that you could see things change based upon spikes or drops or sudden changes in data that we're getting. Um, Like I say, I I think the year is going to be extremely, extremely different from what we've ever seen in high school sports. And I think in a lot of ways that makes it challenging, and in a lot of ways it's going to make it really, really exciting to see how it plays out. John, I wanted to circle back on the the fan issue, the or friends and family, if they can attend or whatnot. I know while you said that it, a lot depends on a local district, region where these things are played, you guys do have some control over state tournaments and state championships. Will you have to be working closely with where those are held to determine whether or not fans can attend, or how does that work? What's that relation like? 
absolutely. I think that's a very astute observation as we work with where we're holding the tournament. So our tournaments that are held in Salt Lake County, we're going to work with the university or the group that's hosting it, and they're going to work and get advice from what they can do on their county health department. The same if we're to do something up at Weber State in Austin, the same if we're to do something down at UVU, down in Orem. And so that is going to be a yearly part of the process. In a way, it's always been a part of our process. We've always worked individually with each venue and each state tournament site to uniquely build the tournament and its operating procedures for that group. Um, but we're definitely this year going to be very closely monitoring and working with those people to make sure wherever we're at, what we're doing is in line with what that group is advising. Well, John, like you said, it's going to be very interesting in a very different uh, couple of months, and uh, we hope for the best that this virus subsides and we can resume things to some degree of normalcy. But it is kind of exciting, though, to see the new, the announcement today that these activities will be able to happen this fall. There's been a lot of questions whether or not they would. So we, we appreciate you taking the time to help us understand the, kind of the decision process that went, led up to it and then what still may be to come for these uh, sports and other activities throughout the state. Well, thanks so much, guys. It's always great to be with you, and uh, hope you guys stay safe, and uh, hope to see you in person sooner rather than later. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> hey, thanks, John. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. All right. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Again, uh, John Oglesby, he's the assistant director for the Utah High School Activities Association, he, making their announcement today that fall activities are a go. He handled that really well. Like, and I mean, because you imagine the stress of her canceling all spring sports, state championships included, and like his email must have been blown up by parents and players who were just livid. Well, there was a let them play campaign that yeah, was going on. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And now Tough. finally you get the good news of, Hey, we're going to let you play fall sports this year. But yet, guess what? People are still upset because they're like, hey, you're not being responsible. You're not taking care of the kids. Like, there's, It's a lose-lose with people, I swear. It's a really, really tough line to walk. So Anyway, but we appreciate him joining us and at least explaining uh, their decision. And it was a unanimous vote today on uh, their decision to allow these fall activities to take place. All right, we'll uh, digest some of that, what he had to say. What does that mean for the fall? What are some of those dates that are coming up? We'll take a look at that as well as the other big news today about the Big Ten and if the Pac-12 is going to follow suit. How does that affect someone like Utah State and the rest of the Mountain West? We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Thursday. Great conversation there with John Oglesby. Yeah, really good. Wish we could have a little better audio quality, but... Hey, no. he's on the road. Beggars can't be choosers. Hey, yeah, he was on his way home. I know we've got news back and forth here like crazy with only 10 minutes left in our show, Eric. Uh, the NJCAA, which would be, what is that, uh, Junior College Association Advisory Council, along with the uh, president and CEO of the uh, National Junior Collegiate Athletic Association have recommended that a majority of NCAA or excuse me NJCAA competition be moved to the spring semester of 2021. Organization is finalizing the plans to provide engagement, safety, and regional leadership 
to support our student-athletes during the fall and spring semesters. Uh, their regions will discuss the recommended changes prior to the Board of Regents meeting on Monday, July 13th, where an official plan of action will be decided. More information will be provided of following Monday's meeting. Boy, a majority of the athletics be moved to the spring, Eric. Uh, who was it? Uh, Urban Meyer today yeah. said that would be ridiculous to try to do football in the spring. Yeah, uh, Harbaugh was not a big fan of it either. Uh, Washington AD Jen Cohen, our fans and football program have been looking forward to this Michigan game for several years, but we understand this decision was made due to impact of COVID-19. Washington and Michigan discussing details on a future return date. Utah State and Washington will may most likely have to have that same discussion as well if they cancel this this game uh, this upcoming September. Okay, so what does this mean for Utah State? So that certainly, uh, yeah, there are no games against the Big Ten right now. No. Oh man, that's a loaded question too, my man. Uh, goodness gracious! But the, as you said earlier, there are there's strong rec, strong um, suggestions that the Pac-12 may follow the Big Ten. Yeah, and if they do, that severely impacts the Mountain West. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, Eric, you were putting together some little uh, research there. Uh, of how many Mountain West opponents are going to be affected by P5 conferences going to a conference-only schedule. And again, a reminder, P12 is not, Pac-12 has not officially announced it, but it's likely to do tomorrow. Uh, ACC is looking like they're going to do it next week. Uh, Big 12 is undecided as of right now, and as is the SEC. Well, the ACC has already announced that they're suspending any activities until September 1st. And Clemson and South Carolina have been axed for this season, which is really big. So what does it do to the Mountain West, and how does it kill them? So, New Mexico plays at USC on September 12th. Okay. So, I'm just going to focus on the Pac-12 Yes, yes, first. by all means, please. So, these are the uh, non-conference games in the Mountain West. Um, Colorado State, they play Colorado September 5th at Oregon State September 12th. Fresno State plays at Colorado September 12th. Uh, Hawaii has Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon on their schedule. Uh, San Diego State has UCLA on their schedule. UNLV has Cal and Arizona State, and uh, Wyoming has Utah. So plenty of teams, plenty of games. Quite a few teams. Other Power 5 schools on schedules, New Mexico plays Mississippi State. Uh, Colorado State plays Vanderbilt. Fresno State plays at Texas A&M. Let's see, uh, Nevada plays at Arkansas. Uh, UNLV has Iowa State, a game at Iowa State, and as uh, we already mentioned, Utah State with uh, with Washington State and Washington. I've skipped over them, but we know that already. But then in Boise State, they play against Florida State <laughs> on September 19th. That's a lot of teams that are on these schedules that could be blown up. Well, and again, Mountain West is still, you know, they're still kind of waiting it out of what they decide to do. In fact, uh, uh, Broncos, Boise State Broncos beat writer, I should say, um, said per a spokesperson that the Mountain West has not made any decisions yet uh, and won't make an official announcement until later this month. And that conference AD, or I guess the conference ADs are meeting together at least twice a week uh, to discuss the situation and the fluid transition of scheduling and such uh, of how to go about this uh this upcoming fall football season. so And and the SEC has said something pretty similar to that, uh, as has the Big 12. 
Um, and yeah, the SEC prevailing attitude is wait as long as possible. They yeah, were going to try minute. to wait until the end of July before they made any decision. The problem is, is for the SEC, Eric, is um, they have some big games. I mean, USC and Alabama is a huge game. And they're going to have to figure out a way uh, to... Sorry, they're going to have to figure out a way to make some adjustments on their schedule by playing conference games only. And by the way, playing conference games only is going to make it really fair for some of these teams to kind of get a shot at that college football playoff. Alabama not playing USC, USC not playing Alabama. Now it's just, can you win your conference? If you can win your conference and go undefeated or lose one game, gives you a pretty darn good argument. This is going to be really interesting to see how it affects the college football playoff. Eric, my question to you is, are we still sure we're going to be having football this fall? I mean, yeah, we're having conference games only, but everyone's like, yeah, we're still going to be playing this fall. That's that's tough. I, I, I don't know. I'm not totally set on having football yet. I don't know that we're there. I'm I, with you. I, I I love the positive attitude, and believe me, I would, I'd rather have it. I think you can do it. I don't know that you can have fans, but I think that for some schools – that may be a, 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 a deal breaker in and of itself. If I can't have fans in the stands, I can't. Why even my well? The game? And then that's a great point because guess what? Week two game, Eric features Oregon home against Ohio State. Autzen Stadium is an absolute blast when it is sold out. If you don't get that, and it's Ohio State coming there, it's just a glorified scrimmage, and who the crap knows what's going to happen. Like, that's a scary thing to have against Ohio State. You'd rather have your sold-out crazy uh, Oregon maniacs there. Uh, and if you don't get that, what's the point? Well, I mean, honestly, Eric, what's the point? <laughs> well, it's a, not only just the, the the kind of the atmosphere that the fans would bring, but, man, the, the financial impact. Selling tickets, concessions, it's a big deal. Really big yeah, deal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, got to take a step aside here on the Full Court Press. Still continue to love to get your thoughts. 435-339-0321 if you want to text into the program. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. You know, there's this big discussion about whether or not football should be not just delayed to conference only, but a full delay until the spring. Get more time for a vaccine to be developed for uh, to, to make way for a potential second surge or another spike if it were to occur. But Heather Dinich reporting that that's it's not a good idea and there's not very many people that are excited or, or even would approve football in the spring. I don't believe it's gaining any more traction. Everybody that I've spoken with from conference commissioners to athletic directors has said, look, it's not our first option. It's not our second option. It's certainly doable, but there are so many problems with it that would have to be ironed out. I mean, I talked about the NFL draft, a concern there with the overlap, plus the the possibility that big name players wouldn't play because of that. And then if you do have a spring season, that's March, April, May, you're talking about training um, in January. January, February. And the reality of the situation is people are saying to me, look, we don't know this is going to be any better then than it is now. So there are a lot of concerns with that, but they are saying at some point we might have to dust it off. Thoughts? I just don't, 
I don't see it that it's going to happen. That's going to play in the spring? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're in the fall. I think it's going to be in the fall because if you don't do it in the fall, there's no... If you push it off to the spring, there's no guarantee you'll still even have a chance to do it in the spring. I texted an athletic official from a university that I will not name, uh, but I asked uh, I asked him, uh, fall or spring? And they just said, quote, fall or bust for big schools, I'd even put money on it, end quote. No, I... I agree. I think that's what it's got to be. But they then full I, steam ahead. They try I, to make I, it work. I'm still a tad worried then that that maybe we're doing too much too soon. Maybe we're not. Maybe it's going to work out great. Ugh, golly. Maybe Eric, one person, man, one person ruins this. Well, maybe the idea of if you don't wear your mask or you don't be careful about you know physically distancing or washing your hands or all these other guidelines that they're giving, if you don't take it serious, then this football doesn't happen. Maybe that's what will be finally the juice. To get people to to follow these guidelines to calm this thing down. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, boy, scary. It's just interesting times, and Eric, we're not even close to being done yet. But you know what? We're closer to to baseball. We are closer to basketball. Oh, thank There's an announcement that fall football is going to happen for high school. So there are good things here, Ajay. Let's not just focus on the doom and the gloom. You taught me how. <laughs> I taught you how to focus on the doom and the gloom. Yes. Okay. After March. Okay, there were some days where you came in saddened, and I would offer you a dum-dum from the little candy jar, and you would say no. You love dum-dums, okay? And you would say no. I thought you were talking about me. That's why. That's, I thought you said, I love dum-dums, and I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> you love yourself. You do love yourself. To my th- Good night. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When sports gets back to normal, and I hope that's sooner rather than later, it will be interesting to see where everything lands. Will the major sports keep all their fans? Do other, maybe secondary sports, become more popular? Does it depend on how each sport handles the pandemic? These are impossible questions to answer right now. I don't envy TV executives who have to make decisions on where to invest. Rights fees for various sports can establish a network or crush it if it doesn't pay off. There's also individual choices to make. Will people who normally buy game tickets still make that investment? Or will you get used to watching from home? There's no precedent for coronavirus's impact on sports. There have been labor stoppages. There have been wars. But never in American history has every league shut down like this. And when it's over, there's a good chance we're going to think very differently about the place different sports holds in our lives. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.